You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I am your host for tonight's episode, Mike, and I am joined by Austin. Hello. How are you, Austin? I'm good. Well, good. I'm very glad to hear that. I'm so glad. So we have an interesting topic tonight, <laughs> and this was one that was, uh, again, recommended by one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a good one because this is actually a conversation that we've had before, and you, I'm sure, during the episode tonight will um, share some information that will support that you actually, you've you've uh, instructed people on this. You've taught classes mm-hmm. on this very concept, and, um, and I think it can be an important one, for uh, particularly for people who are newer to their craft, you know, I think this is a good thing to kind of get in at the beginning as you're learning so that it just becomes a natural part of your practice, right? But our topic tonight is the voice, using the voice in witchcraft. Yeah, okay. Right? So, I, you know, and, and, and to, to confirm or to clarify that, you know, we're talking about, you know, like like singing, you know, uh, you know, the projection of the voice. We're talking about incantation, you know, we're talking about um, what are some, what are some other ways, Austin, that that you've you would say the voice would be used or, or should be used. Well, in, in magical work, intoning, intoning, uh, humming, um, anything that has to do with the vibration or the phonation of the vocal folds. Um, okay. Oh God, there's so much more. I mean, if, even if we just <laughs> narrow it down to like sound. And utilizing sound in witchcraft, mm-hmm. then you have everything that falls into the line with like vowels and language, and you know certain languages will connect with certain spirits on a deeper level, and it's just it's just yeah. well, you, well, you also I mean you you talk about even just like just the speaking, mm-hmm. right? We talk we're like you know we we talk about like incantation, mm-hmm. right? Like you know even that is the use of the voice, right? So. Why would you, or how would you, as someone who is not only a traditional witch, as a magical practitioner, but also someone who has classical vocal training and someone who teaches voice training to others, um, how would you explain, or like, why why is it that using the voice and 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 sound is is such a powerful tool in spiritual uh, work? Well, if you want it bad enough, you got to ask for it, right? Um, and, and when we're going to talk about some of the specifics around that, I think a little bit later, but you know, but what, what, what do you, we'll say using your, your own practice as an example. So what do you most commonly find happens when you incorporate sound, you know, singing, incantation, chant, these kinds of things, what do you find happens or how does that, how does that maybe, maybe help your work? It allows me to trance out. It allows me to, um, focus on something that is exceedingly primal for for us as humans i mean the first thing that we do as a kid is we scream we cry right um and it's so primal because that that screaming that crying that pitch is meant on a biological level to alert it's to alert others around us that there is something wrong i need something and so when we take that and also incorporate that into witchcraft, we find, uh, we find that to be true as well. You know, if you sit and you just, in your brain, think, Hecate, I need you, you might get something. But it's very much one of those things where it's kind of like, if you want it bad enough, you need to talk about it. Like, you know, they're not going to, you got to speak it. You gotta talk. Right. So that that's that that is gonna kind of lead me to 
Um, one, of, one of the things that I wanted to clarify tonight for people who are maybe a little confused around this particular uh, part of, of, of voice and sound, okay? We, we understand, you know, that um, being completely silent in magical practice really is not an effective way to work, right? Silence actually can hinder our work, uh, you know, of course, depending on the tradition and the practice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it would be fair to say that most forms of traditional witchcraft are not ascetic in the sense that you're just kind of sitting quietly in a room, right? You know, like, I'm not saying that there aren't practitioners out there that don't do that, you, you know, and if that's a component of your practice, anybody listening, then, you know, wonderful, good on you. But um, but there, there are things to consider when we look at that, you know. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about and to touch upon some of what you were just saying, Austin, is that our spirits and our gods, the spirits that we work with in these practices, they don't read our minds, <clears throat> you know, they, they don't read our minds. I think that they're, because of the influence of Christianity and other types of religions, I think there's this idea that spirits and gods are uh, omnipotent in the sense that they have access to the entirety of our being, including what is going on in our minds. And we know that that's not true. It can't be. Otherwise, we wouldn't have concepts of free will right? Mm-hmm. Everything would truly just be left up to the God and fates, right? Mm-hmm. So so we know that that's not true. We understand that these spirits are not mind readers. And because of that, we, we really, we do. We need to speak. We need to say something. We need to put that out there. Otherwise, you know, you could be appealing or, or manifesting, ugh, word, or, or working to raise energy toward a particular purpose. And all of your spiritual allies that are there potentially to help you with that are like, well, we didn't know what you wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, like we saw you doing a ritual, but eh, you know, next time bring us into the meeting. Right. Right. So beyond that, let's talk a little bit about the science behind some of this. Right. Because we, we know that witchcraft and science more often than not go hand in hand. Right. Um, but energy. Right. As as practitioners, as spiritual practitioners, witches, whatever you may call yourself, we we manipulate energy. Yes. Right. And we know even based on the the physical laws of science, right, that energy in its raw form is highly influenced by by, by vibration. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how energy actually obtains or, or changes form usually is, is through exposure to different types of vibration. <clears throat> right. And sound is vibration. Right. Would you agree? I would agree with that. Right. Well, in or even even with even with the voice specifically, in order for phonation to happen, which is the fancy term for speaking or sound to be created, um, um, the vocal fold membranes must vibrate. And in order for that to happen, I just did a Jim vibrate opera, um, opera, opera. Um, in order for that to happen, movement must must first be engaged. The first thing I ask one of my voice students in a voice lesson is, I want you to not make any sound, but, you know, turn your voice on. And I get this puzzled look at them, and they're like... And I can tell what they're doing is they're like... um, It's almost like they're lifting and lowering their larynx. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of look at me like, I don't know how. And I went, you just did it. You spoke. In order for anything to get going, you have to first engage it. Whether that's by means of breath, whether that's by means of speaking, whether that's by means of humming, in order for that to happen, you must tell the air 
to move past your vocal folds, out of your lungs, through your larynx, out of your mouth. Okay. All right. And that's not going to happen by just sitting there <clears throat> thinking. Right. So that that's the physiological process of creating sound. Right? Yes. Our voice, right? So, so in using or in understanding this whole idea about, you know, like... Uh, vibration setting energy to motion right and then us shaping that with our intent in addition to maybe say chanting singing and canting whatever right um would you say that this would be an effective way to raise energy yes right and direct it exactly direct energy what about countering energy oh, we yes. talk so much about or with people about protection warding boundary these kinds of things and we use voice. Um, you can use voice in essence to basically establish a wall or yeah. like you can you can absolutely do that with sound as well, understanding how sound vibration moves out. Mm -hmm. right? So well, it goes out in all directions. It just doesn't go yeah. in one direction. Yeah. Uh, something that you learn when when you're training in opera mm -hmm. is that you don't just sing for what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. You sing for what's also behind you and to the side of you. You have to fill that room and that space okay all right well and that makes sense you know and that's not just projection i don't know that makes sense understanding how how you know operatic singers perform and how, how that well and that can work. carry over into witchcraft well well yeah absolutely and you know and so i think it's just an interesting interesting idea because i think a lot of people when they talk about or we talk about using the voice you know they think like oh raising energy projection they don't realize that no you can use sound mm -hmm. to stop energy from coming at you mm -hmm. you can use sound to alter energy as it's being directed at you sound in essence could be a wonderful counter to say someone sends a hex or a curse your way mm -hmm. you could absolutely incorporate sound particular intonation and things to be like mm, no not here mm -hmm. you know and um and so i know that a lot of people when i've had comments or conversations about using sound in that sense before in the past i've seen a lot of people like what i have no idea you know and so it's uh, so i think it's just it's it's kind of a fun thing to talk about and there's power there um would you say that someone needed to have vocal training to to properly use the voice in their craft yes and you can contact me via okay. no no you don't you don't you don't need to have any form of training in the voice it, it could be helpful to help you understand what's going on and how that's going but again it's not necessary mm -hmm. speaking comes as easily to most of us as breathing mm -hmm. and even if that speaking is to ourself it still comes naturally you know there are individuals who are nonverbal or have issues like that and obviously there's certain there's certain ways around that they can use utilize that to their advantage but no you don't need training well it's funny you mentioned people who are nonverbal you know whether it be maybe say people who are neurodivergent mm -hmm. on the autism spectrum um maybe people who are uh deaf or, or hearing impaired right who i understand are not nonverbal necessarily yeah. but they're not as inclined to use voice almost definitely yeah. right um but even in those situations these are still people who are, are they make they can make sound in other ways yes. right i mean you you know you might not decide you want to sing or chant or incant but god go out and buy a drum mm -hmm. you know clap 
Exactly. Clap your hands. Exactly. They're, they're, so so we are talking very specifically about voice right now, but as it would relate to sound being something that can raise and amplify any kind of spiritual work or magical working, um, the voice isn't, that's not the end of that, of that option, right? Or the end of your options, right? Mm -hmm. You got, yeah, you got other things you can do. So yeah, so that is, that is good because yes, we want to make sure we're not being ableist, mm -hmm. right? In, in this episode. So yes. Yeah, so, so very good. Good catch. So, all right. Why, why do you think, you know, in talking about this and saying, I think that we've already really, we've, we really have kind of touched upon this, but why, why do you think that people struggle with incorporating the voice and sound into their workings. I have heard so much from people because again, we, we own a witchcraft shop and we have people who come in all the time who buy our spell candles or our ritual candles or our work candles. Right. And they sit there and I had this conversation today and I was like, well, I bought this candle and I just didn't see anything work. And I was like, did you speak out loud? No, I just took it and I lit it and wrote it in my affirmation journal. And I was like, that that's not a spell. And that's not raising power or directing energy. They, they admitted that they saw a blip. Happen. A blip? Yeah, like a blip of like, oh, I got an, uh, a couple extra, you know, clients. And then it just kind of died out. Okay. Because they burned one of our fortune <clears throat> candles. Gotcha. Um, okay. And, and I told them, I was like, well, you have to raise power. And the easiest way to raise power is to move and speak, chant, scream, yell, talk, yeah. get it out. Yeah. And I think a lot of our reservation just as a Western society um, from that is a fear of sounding stupid. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's like a sense it's of embarrassment. It's a sense of embarrassment. It's a you know, if you go to a public ritual and they start doing the whole the earth, the air, the fire, the water, blah 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 thing, um, you're automatically just gonna if you don't feel comfortable singing or chanting, you're gonna mm -hmm. shut down. When it doesn't need to be pretty. Yeah. I mean, if we look at mythological, if we not not mythological, but myths of, uh, I think it's uh, Medea. Yeah, it's Medea. Medea would sing to the gods mm -hmm. and they'd give her what she wanted because they just wanted her to shut the fuck up yeah. because her voice was so bad apparently <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and and so it's it's this act of whether you're getting it by pleasing the ears of those spirits or irritating irritating just enough that they're just like fuck it here take it you know <laughs> <laughs> like anything to get you to be quiet it, it, it's important um Another thing that I think and that I've observed when it comes to people having reservations about making sound is they don't want to be disruptive. What if the neighbors hear? You know, what are the, what are the neighbors hear? You're whispering, no one can what, hear you. What if the neighbors hear? What if, oh, oh, oh what if someone looks at me funny? You know, and these are valid concerns, particularly individuals who could be. Oh yeah, if you like, if you like live in, in an apartment or, or you're yeah, you're you're in the broom closet. Yeah, the last thing you really probably want to do is draw attention to your craft. Exactly, but even then, even then, there are certain ways around that to work with that. Find a song that you really enjoy, mm -hmm. sing it while you're doing that working. You're doing yeah. it working for confidence. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Feeling good as hell. Right? And just sing and enjoy it and dance. And a lot of the reservations come from that. It's this, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to feel stupid. And quite honestly, the spirits don't care. As a matter of fact, most 
gods historically, most spirits historically, have a sense of humor. Yeah. And if you're showing up, and I, and I can tell you this from my years as, years as a Wiccan, if you're showing up to ritual and you are somber and you are just, oh, creature of earth, I cast out, and you're not actually doing anything other than just repeating the words and there's no energy there's no emotion there's no feeling behind it mm-hmm. you might as well just be speaking into the ether it, it almost sounds like to me it, it seems like it could be another one of these um learned behaviors yes from past church experience mm-hmm. right now i know that there are a lot of churches particularly like you know like good old like southern you know like i'm, I'm oh god I almost, I almost found myself saying something positive about baptists and ugh, gross i would never but having been to some of those southern baptist revivals those choirs get going people are singing and clapping yeah the spirit that they're feeling <laughs> oh, is yeah. there exactly yeah. you can and, you know, feel and it you can you exactly and that to be honest is in my experience it is that that is actually raising the energy in that room it's got nothing, nothing to, do to do with the holy spirit nope. nothing to do with their phony baloney god it's it's the people in that room who are all syncing up to to what's happening the performance exactly. and the energy well in the what room. they're doing is they're going okay what is the message of this sermon? Mm-hmm. Okay. And if the message of this, this week's sermon is love thy neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, be yeah. kind, be compassionate, which is what most sermons should be about because that's kind of the entire thing. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um, and well, my, my point of bringing up church, okay. because we're, you know, I, I, that was one example of, of a particular denomination that you'd find that probably wouldn't be dealing with this issue or people who may be coming from that particular mm-hmm religious experience that probably would be a bit more familiar with like a lively loud we're having fun mm-hmm. with our service you know um and i know there are other denominations out there too but if you look at um other churches you know here in our area you know we deal with the mormon church uh-huh. you know and you know while they sing hymns and while they pray out loud and they bear their testimonies during their services and all those things that they do um all of that is delivered in this very monotone there's no real life behind this, you know, kind of way, you know, and it's, um, and it's like, well, God, no wonder there's no spirit in your service. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to you. It's like, you don't, you don't even want to be here. Could you imagine what that would be like if a witch tried to call their spirit that way with nothing behind it? Yeah. I've actually heard witches try to do that. And those have been probably some of the most disappointing rituals I've been to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's. It's almost unnerving when it happens because when when so when I see another proclaimed witch speak like that, and they become very reserved and quiet, and they're it's it's almost like they're afraid. Like I shouldn't be asking this. I shouldn't be coming forward. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Is it comes from this sense of I'm not worthy to have this power. Ah, okay. And all I can say for all you witches listening, don't. Don't feel like that. If you, There are a lot of people who get stuck in this rut of, well, this is just what I do. And that's great. Shake it up. If your magic consists of, I'm lighting a chime candle and I'm going to focus on it, and you're seeing results of that, that's great. Think about what else you could see if you mm-hmm. shake that energy up and get oh, that, yeah. that energy <clears throat> moving. Yeah. You might see a quicker result. You might see a result that is better than what you were hoping for. Yeah. You might see the same exact result, but you'll have 
some more energy to work with, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, Not to mention, I think you'll be more inclined to have more fun. And enjoy it. If you're working, because I know that's, that's something that a lot of people run into. I think people get this to this point in their practice, you know, particularly after you've been at it for a while. Yeah, right? I've been where, there. You know, like where you've done like spells and spells and spells and spells and you've done your rituals every year. You've done your rituals every year. And, you know, and yeah, I think you do, you get to a point where it's kind of like, oh God, you know, like it's kind of rote, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, and I, I know I've had those moments in my practice. I've had those and, moments as well. You know, and I think that being able to, to actually like, you know, like, hey, like, no, we're going to have fun with this one. We're going to sing a little bit. We're going to move. You know, that, that really, it does. It can kind of help you to recapture some of the joy of the craft and if you're not enjoying what you're doing you probably shouldn't be doing it you know mm-hmm. particularly yeah. when it comes to these things right most definitely so okay all right let's let's talk a little bit because one of the other things that i i think we we want to maybe touch upon in this episode since we're talking about voice and speaking and these kinds of things is how important it, it is to consider the voice and the way that we use our voice, not necessarily the performance, the singing and the chanting, but just the speaking mm-hmm. and using our voice, particularly when we look at the concepts that we have in our craft around making vows mm-hmm. and oaths, right? Um, once again, we see the speaking of vows and oaths as something that is um, that vibration, that power behind that voice, right? Like mm-hmm. you are, in essence, you're putting power to those words. It's not just a, oh, I'm gonna say this thing and now I'm done. It's that like, oh no, like I've I've sent this out now into the universe, you know, and that sound is gonna carry the energy of that vow or the oath, whatever it may be mm-hmm. that you are doing, is it's that that sound is gonna carry that outward to to fall upon the the ears and the senses of who knows how many different mm-hmm. spirits right well it's something that i that i uh, something that i tell my students um and i think you might have heard me tell this to your nephew a couple of times once that sound is out there you can't take it back you can't yeah. you can't open your mouth and say something and then try and grasp to pull those words back into you. Yeah. That's not how that works. Yeah. And that's why when individuals who break oaths, break vows that they have taken to um, their spirits, see a huge repercussion. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why when, when you, even just coming back to the point of, of singing, if you are constantly singing like you're apologizing for what's coming out of your mouth it's never going to be as good as you could possibly get it yeah you know if you're so scared that you might say the wrong words or you might flub up that incantation you're going to you're you're inevitably signing your own your own I don't want to say demise but I can't I think of, of another word you're already setting yourself up for failure okay all right. I think that's a better way of putting it than bringing up demise. Yeah, you're yes. you're setting yourself up for failure if you're if you're <clears> sitting <throat> there and you're hell hell Hecate, goddess of crossroads. I call you then like. Well, okay. So I mean, I mean, let's let's clarify that a little bit, particularly around deity work, because I think that one of the things that I've seen over the years when it comes to practitioners, particularly when this conversation comes up, mm-hmm. okay, around using the voice and sound and, you know, as a, as a, a component mm-hmm. of effective ritual and spell work is you'll have people that are be like, well, I work with, uh, who knows, like oh, just recently, you know, we've got, we've got a class going here on necromancy now, mm-hmm. right? And one of, one of the deities that came up in that class uh, last week was Anubis. Okay. Anubis is kind of a quiet dude. 
right? Anubis is not necessarily known for being a loud, rambunctious kind of deity. And you'll even find that in a lot of the, the rituals and things that are done in comedic craft that, that that there is a little more of an ascetic approach yes. to working with Anubis, right? Like you're, you're not going to be screaming and singing out loud. You're at the top of your lungs when you're working with a deity like that. How, you know, alternatively, we have a lot of people that come in that are like, well, I work with the Morrigan. And I was like, okay, well, when you pray to the Morrigan, what do you do? Morrigan. And I was like, you realize she's a goddess of war, right? And she's a big energy, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're working with her, you also need to be a big energy. Otherwise, she's going to be like, call me when you mean it. I'm out. Yeah. That or she'll just stab you. Yeah, sometimes that too, right? But so you see these people that come in, they're like, well, I work with Thor, you know, or I work with, uh, well, you mentioned Hecate, right? Say like in an epithet of like, say like Brimo, Uh right? Where you're like, and you're whispering your ritual. You've got this deity that's like, do you mean it? Like, are exactly. you really here? Well, and, I, and I'm not saying that when you're when you're being more ascetic or somber, that that it can be wrong, you know. But you still have to speak with power behind your voice. Yeah. Because you can speak. You can speak. Yes, I can. Thank in you. Power. Oh. Even when you are whispering. That's true, you know, that, that is very true. Depending on what you're saying and where your power is, that's true. Even a whisper can... A whisper can vibrate yeah. to the ends of the universe and back. That's true. If there is power behind yeah, it. That's very true. If you're not putting power behind it, you've just whispered. Like, good for yeah, you. Yeah, that's true. So it is, it's kind of this interesting, when you look at it, it's, it's again, it's really multiple focuses mm-hmm. coming together, right? You have the... Uh, the physical components, and I'm talking spell work specifically, right? Mm-hmm. You have the physical components of, that go into your spell, mm-hmm. right? That are bringing their own energies and focuses, right? But those are, are in some sense, that is a component of your working, right? Yes. You have your own personal physical energy that's going into that working, right? Mm-hmm. You have the intent, the focus of your mind, the will, and the intent right behind this is what this is going to do this is how this is going to work right you have the energy being contributed by any spiritual allies that you may possibly work with mm-hmm. right and then to help shape all of that you have the i'm using my voice now and this is what is going to be mm-hmm. you know and so it's like this this cool mix of things that all kind of work together like like they you know like say like like little tributaries that all kind of run into the mm-hmm. one river that moves forward, yes. right? And well, if, if, if we look at th- things like cauldron, right? If we think of our magic or our, our practice as a cauldron, if it's empty and you're applying heat under it, you're not really going to get much. You might get some smoke. Yeah. But now let's add in a liquid catalyst, whatever that may be. Oil, water. Blood. Blood. Um, you're going to get something else happening. You're going to be applying energy to this substance that already has its energy mm-hmm. that is now going to be sped up by the heat. Then you're going to add your herbal components, which, when added to heat, release their oils, their fragrance, their, um, their spirits, <clears throat> and that begins to meld into this. Now yeah. you want to add your breath and yeah you could just breathe into it and that would be effective but if you 
if you've ever taken a crystal glass and made it sing with water in it, you'll see that around the rim it starts to vibrate. The water starts to move, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And if you do that to this, again, your your work is a witch using the cauldron analogy, and you start to apply that sound with power, you will start to see more formation happen. Yeah. That was a very strange analogy, but I think I like it. Uh, okay. Is there anything else that you would inform our, our listeners on as to the voice in craft work? I have a lot. I, I've asked, people have asked me to teach a class on it. And I'll say this. If you want me to teach a class on it, cool. Show up when I do it. Because every single time I've gone to schedule that and teach it, like the day of comes and no one has signed up. Well, I think part of that, because that'd be going back to what we were talking about. Like, I think people, they want the information, uh -huh. but I think that there's always this fear like, oh, I'm going to show up and he's going to make me get up and sing. And I'm not a good singer. And I don't want to perform in front of a bunch of other people because I'm shy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so I think that, that that's also, I think if we look at, one of the things that we talk about with with witchcraft in particular, mm -hmm. right? We talk about like facing your fears and insecurities. No, we right? don't do that. And facing Scary. those down. And if you have an insecurity, or if the idea of getting up in front of a room of other people and saying something, or potentially mm -hmm. even having to sing or encamp mm -hmm. something, yeah. But if then you want to go join a coven. Nervous. Exactly. I was just going to say you're probably not going to be able to make it work in a coven mm -hmm. and you're probably not going to be able to make it work in any other kind of public working situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we, you and I both, we've been to public workings and whether those are people, you know, or not, if you show up, Oh boy, you better perform. You better work. If you stand in the corner and you're absolutely silent. You might have people come over and say, we're going to have to ask you to leave yeah. because you are an energy sink yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> so what I'll say to this is don't, you can get as complicated as you want when you're encanting and chanting and utilizing your voice. But start out simple. You know, we have a member in the coven, several members of the coven, who for some reason are intimidated by the idea of us encanting together. And I know part of it comes because of like they're, they're comparing. They're comparing to me. They're comparing to other people. And you can't do that. Why are they comparing to you? Well, I mean, degree in opera. So. Well, you do have a degree in opera, yes. I figured they'd be comparing to me because I have the most beautiful voice. You do. That's why I stole it from you. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, but there's this idea that, oh, oh, no, we just need to let the, the singer handle the encanting. And in some situations, sure, but when you're working as a group or even just on your own, always, always go simple. If you cannot or are not comfortable holding a pitch, you know, or you can't follow a melody or a harmony, that's okay. Drone. Yeah. When we, when we look at or other... humming. Humming, exactly. Um, if we look at other cultures, cultures that are historically or have historically utilized song encanting or chant in their either worship in their pra magical practices or in just community things there's always a drone there's always 
someone holding the pitch center for everyone else to weave around. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Chris. Chris always is like, I, I can't. I can and can't when we do it because I just get... You start harmonizing and I get lost. And I finally just several times I've, I've just told him like just pick a note and stick with it if it moves it moves it doesn't have to be pretty if you have someone who utilizes their voice a lot in their craft like mm-hmm. me yeah. I'll work around you I've done it long <laughs> enough to where I can work and weave around whatever melody you need or whatever we're doing I just need the stability to work around it and that's how you need to focus it in your craft if you're just the only person in your craft and you're doing this on your own that's great. Make it simple. Pick one, two notes and just go. Yeah. Or apply it to a melody of a song that you already know. That's okay. The gods aren't going to sue you for copyright infringement. Yeah. So I that that raises uh, something or in my mind because I, I do tend to be a bit of a wicked witch. Mm-hmm. And we talk so much about how... Um, you know, or, or we, we've talked a lot already about how people worry about like, oh, it needs to sound pretty. Mm-hmm. It needs to sound good. And you and I both know that in the process of, say, working, uh, we'll say just baneful magic in particular, dissonance mm-hmm. and an unpleasant mm-hmm. sound can actually be a really nice addition to mm-hmm. a baneful working. Yes, it can. Um, if, we, if we look at the psychological effects of dissonant sounds or sounds that create tension mm-hmm. sevenths dominant sevenths diminished sevenths diminished fifths so on and so forth um you know things that would be considered the the devil's tone or the tritone mm-hmm. in uh western classical music theory yeah. um, it creates tension and if you're trying in a baneful working to create unrest in someone and tension what better way than to keep that going and if you wicked other other wicked witches out there want a good thing for that, use the theme from Jaws. It's a minor second. Mm. Na, 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 na. And then utilize that with your incantation and allow it to speed up. What better way? What better way to incite fear than if you know that that is related to Jaws, which is a film that is can be scary for some people. Utilize that and push it there. Yeah. You know, the same can also be said for something around um, healing work. You know, healing, uh, if someone who is sick or has disease, there is dissonance in their energetic field. Yeah. And so by keying into that dissonance, you just have to be the right pitches, but by keying into that and noticing that, you can allow it to resolve. And you can utilize your voice to actually take that vibration, make your vibration dominant. And bring resolution to it. Yeah. I had a, a, a voice student who I think actually listens to the podcast. Um, hey, and, shout out voice student. Uh, uh, Jim Blackthorn. Um, Gemma. Uh, she started taking voice lessons with me. And then about six months in, she was like, I want to learn how to use this in my craft. And so I was like, okay. So we started working on it. And she started getting a migraine. She was like starting to get some migraine stuff during a lesson. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, let's fix that. And so I had her sit and key into what that sounded like to her. What did it feel like? What did her body vibrate at? Mm-hmm. And then to match that pitch. Once she, she matched that pitch, I was like, now resolve it. Okay. And 
for about five minutes she took it and she just resolved it and it kept going from this dissonant like oh that's discordant down to this resolve and it just kept getting lower and lower and lower and then after five minutes she went this is the best my head has felt in years okay and so by utilizing the voice and the vibration to adjust that frequency or that energy yeah or that vibration we got a very good result i'm thinking about the energetic applications for something like this and i'm 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 having flashes of light language <laughs> practitioners no that's just new age asmr well i i guess i guess, I guess the purpose of the the purpose of how how do i want to word this okay so light language i think as a practice is something that really i mean it's only been around for say what like what maybe the last 10 years and you know and i the, literally and only the, heard about the, it this the year the fact that it hasn't been around long that's not that's not the issue right because that, that's not it that that, that 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 means nothing okay but um i think what it is is it's it's the the information around what that is right mm-hmm. like it's a channeled language from the angels or it's a, it's a core component of Reiki. No, it's fucking not. <laughs> no, it is not. No, it's fucking not. Um, that it's something that will um, align you to your higher self. Stop. I mean, You're just sick. There are just all of these things that go around light language as as a practice within the light worker and new age community, and we know that all of that is crap. None of that means anything. Because most of the stuff behind those ideas and philosophies also is crap. So so I guess I just, I, I wanted to kind of draw a distinction there because I could, could see some of our listeners going, well, wait a minute, you guys are always ripping on the light language community and they're basically doing the same thing. They're just making mm. weird fucking noises. No, they're not. House. They're not doing the um, same thing. And let me tell you how they're, why they're not doing the same yeah, thing. Yeah, elaborate on that. Would they, you? Are, no. they are making weird fucking noises and doing weird clicky sounds while rolling their eyes into the back of their head claiming that they're channeling this from Metatron or the Galactic Council or whatever the fuck they believe in. This is not channeling the way that I was having my student work and the way that I work. It's not channeling. It is literally listening to your body Mm -hmm. and going, oh, I can feel that. And then allowing that actual vibration because energy is constantly in a state of vibration mm-hmm. yeah. and allowing yourself to manipulate that via one of the most primal things you have which is your voice everyone has a voice even individuals who are nonverbal or mute they still have a voice box now yeah. whether or not their vocal folds are paralyzed swollen or just non-functioning doesn't matter they still have it light language is not what i do and that is not a core component of reiki and it's not a core component of witchcraft you want to hear some light language i'm just making up shit i'm 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 thinking... no, but, that, but that actually sounds pretty accurate compared yeah. to what i've heard from these people who claim to be these things like yeah. you're just making random fucking noises. I can yeah. do that. Look, I'm a I'm an ascended master soul now with the fifth dimensional galactic council fucking I don't know. Whatever they are. And yeah. Th- what witches have done with encanting has been around 
longer than light language, longer than fucking light workers, longer than star seeds, longer than any of that shit. Well, I guess there's a part of me to continue. You want to know where music came from? The first recorded sheet music that we have came from ancient fucking Manoa. That's where it came from. And no, lightworkers didn't channel it or any bullshit like that. Off my soapbox. Okay. Sorry, you got me. Um, <sighs> I forgot where what I was going to go with that because you, you interrupted me there at the end there. Sorry. Um, I guess, so, I, okay, so I, what I was going to say is I, I could see... And again, and I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here, mm. uh, but I could see how it you know the argument could be made that light language was in some sense an evolution of a spiritual practice. the The challenge that I see with that is that there isn't any real power behind the light language. Like there's no real um, like I don't ever see these people who are who are claiming to do this. These people who practice the light language thing and make these odd noises, I I don't ever really see them. Um, there's no, they're, they're not really raising any power. They're not really directing any kind of real intent at anything. It's like, it really is primarily just a show. Yeah. It's just a performance. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, it would be the they same. They probably went to Juilliard. It would, yeah, well, eh, you know, it would, it would be the same thing I would think as say walking into, uh, like a room where someone was maybe playing a singing bowl. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll be the first to, to say, like, I, you know, I like singing bowls. I, Me think, too. I think they sound pretty. You know, they're not witchcraft. And, um, you know, and they're, they're not what a lot of people think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and while they may sound beautiful and while they do certainly create vibration, if that vibration isn't given intent or focused in a particular way, all you're doing is playing a singing bowl in a room. Mm-hmm. That's all you're doing. Yeah. You know, which, wait, yay, great, pretty, but is it going to, do the thing that I needed to do, right? Is it going to help me with this thing? Is it going to, you know, enact this healing? You know, whatever, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is you're trying, you're playing your singing bowl for, right? So, so I guess that's that's kind of the challenge, you know, when I look at these these things like light language, um, you know, as you know, and again, and I, I'm only going there because I've heard that argument for like, well, this is just an evolution of spiritual practice, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I can I can get behind that concept because spiritual practices are always evolving; they need to be. Yeah. Um, yes, but but that also means turn. in the process of evolution you can't lose the spirit, otherwise it ceases to be an evolution of spiritual practice. Now you're just an idiot sitting in lotus position making clicking noises and, and humming, you know. Um, and if anybody who listens to our podcast is unhappy with us because you like the whole light language thing, then all I can say is I'm sorry we hurt your feelings and you probably are listening to the wrong podcast. Well, <clears throat> chanting, incanting. Uh, these things have been around since since forever in voodoo in ATRs it is a big thing you have songs you memorize and that's older than any fucking light language or new age bullshit well I, and again I want I want to say it's not necessarily about the age of, of particular practices right because you and I'll be the first to admit we know there are there are things that have been introduced to witchcraft as a practice even just within the last like 20 30 years most that definitely. whole power you know and so it's not really about you know like oh this hasn't been around for very long so it doesn't really hold any value that's not it i again i think it for me it comes down to the like you've lost the core again like i want to say like mm-hmm. you lost the spirit of this in the process of trying to be special and new and different yeah. like you lost the connection you lost the root to really what you were trying to do i think 
you know um and that's very much a new age thing right like it's all about the show it's all it's all superficial and performative exactly so and so for anyone who's listening who wants to take their encanting or whatever to the next level and you just don't know what to do or how to use your voice pick some vowels okay a-e-i-o-n-u vowels are important and sometimes why and sometimes why which would actually be an e sound um it could be an ooh. Yeah. Um, so so pick a vowel, because vowels are what make up the language. I, I explain vowels and consonants and diphthongs to my students like this. Vowels are the cake itself. Consonants... No, I want cake. I'm sorry. Consonants are the frosting, and the and diphthongs are the sprinkles. Or decorations. Do I have to have sprinkles? No, you don't have to have sprinkles. Um, but the the cake itself is what you're actually going for, right? The frosting is nice and it's lovely and it lets you know that this cake is this. Yeah, but what if you're like one of those those kids that just eats the frosting? Well, that's great. You're missing my analogy. And I think if we're back east, for those of you who listen to us back east or even overseas, frosting and icing. They're the same thing here in our area of the world. Yeah. Um, but I, that's how I explain it to them is if you're only speaking in consonants, most people aren't going to be able to understand what you're saying. You have to add some vowels in there. If you speak and focus solely on the vowels, you're probably not going to get what you're saying most of the time, but you'll be able to get a gist of it. It's so funny you say that because if you look at some of the older languages, like specifically like ancient Aramaic, mm-hmm. or wait, is it Aramaic? I might be throwing out the wrong language. Anyway, if you look at some of the old languages, particularly languages from the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, they don't have vowels. Like they have vowel sounds, but mm-hmm. like they don't actually have. Well, that's what I'm saying is vowel sounds, no. not vowels. Oh, no, 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 no. I was just so, thinking. Yeah. No, I was just thinking about that. Though. I was thinking like if you look at those languages of course i and i, and I should clarify written in cont- like modern english or like a mm-hmm. translation of modern english um they it's, it's it almost it looks almost like entirely like this is a language of entire of, of just co- consonants it's mm-hmm. like yeah it's it's very interesting um but of course we know that's that's not true well, there are some some languages that do consist of mainly consonants or have more consonants than we would um in the english language right yeah um but, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, even in Italian, when you're speaking in Italian, the vowels are important. The vowels and double consonants. If you don't get a double consonants, it's the difference between bene and penne. Two separate words, two different meanings. Yes. So. I, I enjoy the penne pasta that you made. And I found a penne on the ground. So what you're saying Yes. Um, so, but, but pick a vowel, you know, um, even, even if you go back and you read some things by like Doreen Valiente, um, why would I, oh my God, just leave it alone. Okay. I'm trying to explain something here. So go on. you have the, 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 what is called the witch's room, which is a poem that is used in sometimes traditional with that to raise power. And then there's, um, Eos in there that happen to raise power. Eos. Some people pronounce it Io, some people pronounce it Eo. It depends on whatever. Um, but those vowels are so important because vowels resonate. 
Consonants don't. K. K. Ah. You want something that resonates if you're trying to get your sound out. Consonants will begin it and end it, usually. Yeah. Okay. So, pick some vowels. And that's a great way to add some intoning and encanting into your your work. You could also just pick the name of the spirit that you work with or the spirits you work with or even the herb yeah. and chant it and elongate it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a really good way to get into a trance state and even um, help find the, I hate using these terms now, things like workers, vibration and vibrational frequency of that herb. Well, I... <sighs> We need to we need to start a, a, a reclamation movement for all of the old words that the light worker community has taken and has changed into lame, disgusting light worker mm-hmm. crap. Yeah. So well, vibration, manifestation, m- awakening. Gross. Uh, my my nonna called it songs. Songs. Yes. She she would um, she would say in order for you to know. Uh, or along these lines, um, in order to know the spirit you're working with, you must first know its song. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she'd be like, Austin, why did you not finish your pasta? I, I guess. Not really. Okay. Pasta's not really big over in Italy. There's pasta. It's There's just, pasta. It's just, it's just not usually the main dish. Exactly. It's people, usually... people think that it's the main dish and it isn't. Mm-hmm. Usually pasta's just the side. Mm-hmm. Um... <clears throat> but this conversation has totally gone off the rails at this point. It hasn't gone um, off the rails. We're still talking about utilizing the voice in the craft. Yes. I was. No, no, I know. I'm, I'm right here with you. Dead air. Um, what? What do you want me to say? No, no, you're good. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, so, I think that we've... Um, we've... Beaten a dead horse. <sighs> No, ew, animal cruelty. I never got that phrase, to be honest, because I was, I was like, well, I want to know how the horse died. Like, were you beating it before it died? Is that Did you kill that horse? Because if you did, we've got a problem. Um, no, I was going to say, I think that we've, we've discussed the voice uh, enough. We have spoken about speaking enough. Spe- yes. Um... What's going? What's going on in our community right now that has uh, has you uh, all a Twitter? Oh Austin? God, I don't know. I don't really. I'm not really. I don't. Nothing. Not not really. I have been having some some things pop up where people are like, where where someone actually asked if their partner could be a servitor to them and I was like that's called oh I saw that I saw that interaction and I thought that was very interesting you know like why, why would you want to do that to your partner it just it's kind of my take on that I'm like why would you want to do that to your partner that seems like that's a very diminishing way to kind of treat your partner my goodness I, I don't know I just there there's <clears throat> so much misinformation out there the fact that I had to tell someone two days uh, a couple days ago how to like light an incense and blow it out just baffled my mind um, I don't know. I, I I go in these phases and these spurts where I'm like TikTok, 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 and social media, and yeah. then I'm like, oh god, this is exhausting, and I'm so tired, and then I just kind of like back off. Um, I have noticed that the 
that we have been getting a lot more um, a lot of people have been asking more questions about like Hecate and Lucifer yeah. and, and stuff like that um, I actually had someone ask me ah this 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 kind of got under my under my feathers yesterday um, I had someone ask me well can you cite your sources to why you think that Raven Gramassi is this way and it mm. like just like it threw me because I was like if you've read any of Raven Gramassi's but I I don't have a problem with Raven Gramassi I don't oh no Raven Gramassi has as far as Raven Gramassi's works on Italian practice I think Raven Gramassi, and we we we've we've sent people to Raven Gramassi for information. Exactly, he he has is a, a wonderful introduction. Yes, to Mediterranean craft. Exactly. If you want anything past beginner level shit, though, you you have to move well, away from Raven Gramassi. Well, and you also have to understand that all of the stuff that he talks about, even in his Holy Book of Strega and Italian witchcraft, it's still through the guise of Alexandrian Wicca. It's still through that lens. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not how that's not how Italian witches work. Or or we you know, we don't we're not necessarily at circle casters. Yeah, we're not gonna cast circles or before call we call quarters or yeah. you know, ring bells over the bowls of the element. Yeah. It's um, obviously in the writing that there's a strong Wiccan influence. Exactly. Well, is didn't Raymond Gramassi also I mean he was very public about his involvement with Wicca. Yeah, well I actually think he prefaces in Italian witchcraft like that that this is through the lens of this, yeah, and like that he's taken these practices that he learned from his family and then incorporated them into his Wiccan practice, yeah. Which cool, awesome, Syn- synch- syncretization, whatever, you know. But but I had this person like get huffy with me about it, and I had to come back and I was like, well, sounds like you ran afoul of a Wiccan, whatever. Um, I had this thing that, and I just kind of came back with it and said, you know, my my nona was from Sis- uh, not Sicily, um, Italy. Um, and that's who I learned my Italian craft from. And when I showed her Italian witchcraft by Gramassi, her response was, we don't do this. I mean, this is not like, this is, this is, this is correct. This is right. This is not, this Mm -hmm. is obviously Wicca. Yeah. And the reality is, is I took Graven Gramassi's Italian witchcraft course after my, my, my Nona died. I, I tried his Italian witchcraft course and Nothing against Gramassi. I wasn't necessarily impressed. You know? I I made it through, and I completed it, and I was like, that's cool. I like it. Um, Meh. Again, very Wicca-leaning. Yeah. And and that's okay. And so that's what bothers me, is that when you have these huge authors who come forward um, and write books like that, and people read it, they take it as, like, law. Yeah. And then when you have someone who is like, well, actually, no, this is, again, they wrote for a particular audience. Mm-hmm. It's like, at two. And it just, it, it, it doesn't really ruffle my feathers, but it does kind of make me go, have you never, like, just... Well, that's a, di- a difficult situation. I was just going to say that that's a tricky position to find yourself in because you, you, as someone, and I'm talking you, you personally, but in, you know anybody that found themselves in being the position of a, a teacher or an instructor, so anybody, anybody in whatever capacity that was sharing information, you know, you're going to put 
uh, information out there that you know has been, you know, documented or is established, Mm -hmm. you know. And when I say established, I mean it's something that goes beyond just your personal practice, right? Like lots of other people are doing this and have Mm -hmm. done this for a long time, you know. Um, But, you know, in that particular instance, you know, I I, I find myself in that same situation where I'm like, okay, well, as, as an instructor and as someone who's provided this information, to what extent do I have a responsibility to also provide you with resources when those resources are readily available if you would just go look? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and then also, like, you know, I've already given you this information and it was free. So what more do I really owe you? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't owe you anything. I didn't even owe you this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and now you're going to pick a fight with me because mm-hmm. I said something that hurt your feels. And, you know, yeah, so I don't know. So I, I, I struggle with that sometimes, too. You know, not too often, fortunately, because, you know, I'm, I'm always I'm always good for giving people resources on things. Um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, but I've had those moments where I'm like, oh my God, how entitled are you? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I've taken, I've taken like 30 years to accumulate this pool of knowledge, and you want me just to give you everything that I've got? Yeah. For nothing? Over yeah, the course of a 10-minute conversation? Yeah, like, it's, no, this, thank it's you. like this entitlement, <clears throat> and... It made me be like, it made me like, I, I have to defend myself for spouting, for, for spouting facts. Well, and I guess that that's, that's the other thing too, is it's like you, you do, you have to, it feels almost as if you have to defend yourself because people have forgotten how to just have productive discourse, mm-hmm. right? If you say something that someone disagrees with or something that someone is unfamiliar with and then they challenge that information, they can't just go, well, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. Can you tell me where you learned that so that I can learn more? They have to come back with a, well, that's not anything I've read before and I hate you now, blah. Exactly. You know? and, and it's like, and it's like, whoa, like, you know, what, the, you know, what the hell? <clears throat> so yes, I get it. Yeah. How about you? Oh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. What? Go. Um, I don't I don't really have anything. Um, you know, one thing that I have been kind of watching, and I'm embarrassed about this. No, I'm not embarrassed about this. No, because I'm a sociopath, and I don't really feel guilt and embarrassment. No, it's a lie. He's um, not a sociopath. But, um, <laughs> foolish, foolish person. Um, anyway something I've been kind of following this week is the trial going on now with Johnny Depp and And Amber Heard. And where I say that I'm a little embarrassed about that, I I honestly, I'm not embarrassed about that, but I also am like, Mike, why are you wasting your time with this shit? This is, this is really (laughs) something that doesn't really, uh, anyway, you know, and I don't want to get into like who I think is right or whose side I'm on. I, you know, I don't want to get into that. But in watching that though, and even just today in the shop, we had a couple of customers come in here looking for uh, cord cutting spells. And I was thinking like, oh my God, this situation with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, if there was ever, if there was ever a situation I could think of with two people who obviously had some nasty energetic tethers, you know, that they're trying to work out in court, good for them. But, um, but on an energetic or spiritual level, you know, I was thinking like, oh my God, boy, these people could definitely go for some sort of a cord cutting. Um, and I don't really want to get into cord cuttings, but, uh, because we know that a lot of the information that's out there right now around what a cord cutting is and the spells that can be done for cord cuttings, we know that all that is crap. All that is, is nonsense. You cannot work a spell to cut a cord. That's not how that shit works. 
Um, you can do other things. You can do spells to create separation. Mm -hmm. You can do spells to banish someone's influence from your life, mm -hmm. which in essence kind of works in the same way, at least day to day on a material level, it will. Um, but that's not the same as a cord cutting. And I, you know, and I find myself more and more encouraging people like, don't, don't try to cut cords. Don't try to cut cords because that is a form of spiritual bypass. Mm -hmm. Just process your shit. Just heal, do what you need to do, learn to assert or, or to assert more effective boundaries in future, you know, grow from this experience if you can, right? Don't worry about cutting the cord because in time, if you are truly done with that other person, that will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I thought that was kind of interesting. I was thinking like, oh my God, if I were approached by either of those two celebrities tomorrow... And you know me, I have many celebrity clients. No, I don't. Um, I wish. Because um, then I could charge the big bucks instead of doing most of what I do for fucking free. But um, <clears throat> anyway, but if I had either of those people approach me, um, how would I work something in that situation? Like, it just it kind of had me thinking today, like, how, how to work something like that, particularly when you take into account the very public nature of that situation and all of the tiny little pieces. Not that those things don't exist in other issues around domestic violence issues mm -hmm. and court cases and, you know, divorce and things. Those, those, those tiny little pieces always pop up. But this is such a public, you know, like everybody's like, oh, oh wow, you know, you know, and there's been so much, I think, uh, misinformation and deception around this situation. Um, yeah, so I don't know. So just it was something that was on my mind. And I, was th I was thinking about that. I was thinking like, my gosh, how would, how would I do a working like this? And I was thinking like, really, I, I probably wouldn't even worry about doing a court cutting or a separation because really in, in all sense, they've already separated, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would probably really just focus primarily on just a justice working and kind of leave it up to ideally powers wiser than myself to let that play out right like this is this is where justice really is owed mm -hmm. right or this is justice because i think it's fair to say and i know you'll support me on this that our spirits and our gods when we ask them for justice they're willing to help us with that but we also have to understand that they will have a very different idea of what justice really is oh definitely i had that conversation with someone in the shop today yeah. i i i told him i said you know it sounds like you're seeking justice mm. Are you 100% scot-free? Oh, is this the lady that got the bad perm? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I said, are you 100% she like... fuck up that stylist. Oh, damn. She's mad. <laughs> uh, I said, are you 100% like clean in this? And there was a hesitation. Mm -hmm. And yeah. their response was, well, they hurt me. I love that conversation. <laughs> I love that conversation. Well, are your hands clean? No. It's like, then you can't be doing a justice working. And and I, I had to tell them, like, it's probably not going to be the best if you do that. Because you're going to see your dirty laundry aired, plus their dirty laundry aired. You know, it's always better instead of going for justice. Because, again, our spirits see justice differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because what you think might be justice is not actually equated. Well, I'm dealing with a situation like this in my own family right now. And I'm going to air some of my, my family's dirty laundry right now. I'm not going to name names, but I have a couple of family members now who have decided through a series of uh, rather unfortunate events that they no Let longer want it. to be... What? Let me sneak it. Yes. Uh, that they no longer want to be a couple. 
and they have a child. And like most people nowadays, they had a child without the benefit of marriage, mm-hmm. which is fine. Marriage is just the marriage business is contract, a contract, right? Yeah. But if you're going to have kids and you want to own property, it might be a good idea to get married. That way you have something legal to fall back on, right? Right. Anyway, so this process is, of course, messier than it needs to be now because they don't really have any of that. You know, there's nothing there to, there's no rules, no, you know. Anyway, um, you know, regardless. So they've decided they don't want to be a couple anymore. And because of some of the issues around the separation, you know, one of them in particular had a conversation with me the other day about, well, you know, I feel like I've been mistreated through this situation and I really, you know, I'm wondering what are my what are my rights maybe to do some sort of a justice mm-hmm. working and you know and i had to have that conversation with them i had to say okay well th- this situation wasn't brought to an end like the end of this wasn't you can't put all that responsibility on one person in this uh-huh. situation and that would be true i think of any relationship yep. where you know like even even situations relationships like that or whatever it is a partnership of whatever kind where one person is obviously the dick mm-hmm the other person still bears some degree of responsibility for yeah, allowing that, resp- that to continue. Exactly. Even if that responsibility <clears throat> is, wow, that was a red flag that I just decided to make a pretty scarf out of. So, I, well, yeah. You know, it's like, like really, the first time dude smacked you, you didn't, you know, you, 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 know, you justified the behavior, you know? And I know there's a lot that goes into that. Yes, and no, mental and, and yes, yeah, exactly. Level. And no way, I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize any of that because I know there's a lot of complex issues that come up around, you know, those, those kinds of things, you know? Uh, but... Um, you know, but again, and again, focusing back on this situation, you know, I had to have a conversation with this person because they're like, well, well, this situation needs some sort of justice. And I said, you know, at this point, if you were to do a working and you were to try to bring in the influence of a God or any other kind of spirits, particularly those associated with our family, you know, who's going to get justice. It's going to be your child. And whatever kind of justice is given to your child is probably going to look a lot different than what you and the other side of this this now ended relationship are looking at mm-hmm. so and that and they shut up because they realized like oh god yeah i need to think about this a little bit because what am i really about to ask for yep. you know um and so yeah so i think it's just it's an interesting thing right we have to remember that our our, our spiritual powers do not think about things in the same ways that we do mm-hmm. and they will not see the same resolutions to situations that we do no they will not um so yeah no, but that was one of the other things that was kind of on my mind, and I noticed interestingly enough this week that a few interactions that I had with other kind of miscellaneous people and situations all kind of threaded together mm-hmm. around that. Um, yeah, just kind of kind of interesting. But I wonder what's going on astrologically that could be causing some of these well, things. Well, Tabitha actually sent me a bunch of information, and overall, most of the planets seem to be in a fairly okay alignment right now. We're getting close to another Mercury retrograde, All right. which seems to freak a lot of people out. I, I don't understand that. I, I've never really felt like a strong, uh, like, like uh, you know, I, I just, I don't understand that. You know, like I, people who are like, oh, Mercury, I'm, I'm like, I, I've never got, gotten the like, why, why is this upsetting? I don't understand. Let's see. I got, I got to look this up now. Let's see. So Mercury is, of course, Mercury is in Taurus right now. Let's see. Okay, so communication is going to be stubborn. Mercury. Oh, so Mercury will go into retrograde on May tenth. Okay. Um, while still in the sign of Taurus, um, which is I think going to, that is going to be a little tricky because I think a lot of people are going to find their uh, issues around uh, material security. 
you know, that, that correspondence between Mercury and any kind of communication, any kind of business or financial something that was going on that was impacting things like your home, your finances, where you feel a sense of material security, that Mercury retrograde within that sign is something that could probably negatively impact those mm -hmm. things. You know, but that doesn't, even in that situation, that doesn't mean that we need to be fearful of that, right? We just make you know, we account for that, right? We're like, you know, well, I guess, you know, between May and June of this year, I'm, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to decide now's not the time to buy a house, mm -hmm. right? Do some work um, to protect your finances. Exactly, you know, or, or take that as an opportunity to explore some of your, your personal issues around material security, right? Maybe your associations to money and other kinds of material security, maybe those are not maybe where they should be right now and it's a good idea to maybe reassess your values a bit you know and so that's a good good way to work with those energies right but um, yeah but otherwise i i can't really think of anything else that would be um really too problematic um yeah i don't, I don't know i mean everything else really looks like it's in a pretty okay place yeah at least all the majors anyway you know the major influences so i have an idea you have an idea i do Okay. But I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, all right. Because I don't want... I don't want to get people excited if it doesn't go over. Oh, okay. It's a good idea. It's a good thing. Okay, well, we'll talk when we end our episode. Yes. Speaking of, how long have we been rambling tonight? Like an hour and eight minutes. Okay. Yeah, we're doing good. All right. Is there anything else we want to like throw in here now that we've completely veered off topic and are just kind of just shooting the shit uh not really okay like, i think we covered some good stuff i think we covered our topic tonight i think so we it, need to we need to i think think we, we we need to uh what am i trying to say just spit it out mike we what do we want to talk about next week i i've kind of gotten to a point where i'm like i have ideas for things i want to talk about and we have a lot of people submitting requests for things mm -hmm. but i'm noticing that a lot of the people that are contacting us now like they're people that like they just joined the podcast within say like the last couple of months okay and so they're like i want you to do an episode on this or i want you to talk about this and you know and i have to keep contacting them and say go back and listen to episode 15 or go back and listen to episode eight you know like we, we've done this already you know and i'm not trying to say that we couldn't retouch upon something but um I don't know, but I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, like, what do we want to talk about next week? I don't know. If you have suggestions, you're a longtime podcast listener, um, and you have suggestions, go ahead and send those on over via the podcast. We'd love to hear. I've had, like, ideas of, like, us kind of, like, talking about books that we've read. Okay, but and... we've kind of done that, though, too, a little bit. Not really. I'm, I'm talking... <clears throat> I'm talking a book that we have both read that we sit and discuss certain concepts and ideas around. You want to do, you want the podcast to have a book club? Sure. Why not? Ugh. Why? Okay. I'm not saying no. I'll, I'll make a note here. He's totally not making a note. He's just giving me an eyeball. It's fine. I'm making a note. I have my, I have my, uh, my note app here on my, on my phone. Anyway, so if you have ideas, shoot them on over. And if you want me to teach a class on music and magic or, you know, singing with spirits or whatever the hell, go ahead and shoot it over and I will make that available online as well as in person. 
All right. Okay, I added I added this to my my list of of upcoming subject ideas. Cool. Um, okay. Awesome. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for uh, listening to us as always. And uh, as Austin was just saying, if you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas, suggestions, anything, uh, you can contact us through the podcast. You can also contact us uh, via Facebook and Instagram at the Salty Witches podcast. And uh, yeah, let us know what what you think. We are we are we're we're here to listen. So, thank you so much, Austin. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I'm usually here, but it was kind of cool because I got to talk about something that's that combines both my love of witchcraft and magic, as well as my love of singing and the voice. Yes, I kind of figured this topic I'm tonight would be kind of like right up your alley. I, I I love it. I love it so much. So. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone. Bye. Stay witchy.